Father, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness, your love, your mercy that you show to us continually as your children. Father, have your way in these words with this message. This is your message. It's not of the flesh. We pray that what is spoken through my mouth, through my words, will be the blessing that you intend it to be. And we give you all credit, Yeshua, as we pray this in your name, and we say amen. I'm always astounded. Um, Pastor Mark, I looked at Zeb. You set that song up beautifully. The words you spoke set that song up. Oh, some of the testimonies, Hannah, appreciate your word, the word of the couple, the little baby. Just so many words, the way the Father always works everything into a certain thread. He connects the spiritual dots, doesn't he? Because of the greatness that he exists in, he connects the dots in a way that we cannot connect them. And I want to also say before I get into the message, I so appreciate all the prayers that have been offered up on my behalf but better said, on, be, on the behalf of this message, thank you all for the prayers. Some have come to me and told me they were praying for this message and for me as I deliver it. Thank you. I'm reminded in Corinthians, one of the apostles Paul says, we, I, he said, was sustained because of the prayers of the many community. And Brother Arnold, I'll say something about your opening word, journey, the long journey home. This theme has been on my mind for months. And Brother Truman, you're watching this message, you say, this goes out to you too because you and I have had those great discussions about this theme or concept of the long journey home. I've got notes here, but I've got a basic foundation. But today, especially because of the nature of this message and what I want to say, what he once said, I want to be sensitive to the Spirit in a way that I will go to my notes, but I'm relying more on Him today through the Spirit to feed me, to give me the words to share with you so that we'll all be blessed together. And so I feel that more today than normally when I give a message because of the nature of this message. I want to be sensitive, especially today, to the, to the Spirit as He moves among us and through these words. If you want to open your Bibles and turn, we're going to be talking about a journey. It's titled, this title for this message is Easy, The Long Journey Home. You can turn, if you will, to Job 14. Job chapter 14, starting in verse 1, man born of woman is short of days and full of trouble. He blossoms like a flower then withers. He flees like a shadow and does not last. Do you really take note of this one? Now you can also go to Job 5, I think it's verse 14 there. Man is born to trouble, just as surely it says as sparks fly upward, you, I, mankind, are born to trouble. Trials, testings, sufferings, pain, we all go through it on our journey. On our long journey home, we're all on a journey. Brother Doug, weeks ago, I'm standing in the back, and I'm going over in my mind during worship that theme that's been on my mind for months, the long journey home. And you spoke, and out of the gate pretty quickly, you said in that message, Brother Doug, that the Father has us on a journey, and that we're sojourners on this earth. We're pilgrims, as Hebrews says, Hebrews 11. We are sojourners. Everyone, dear treasured ones, dear children of the Father, this is not real life. We're headed towards real life. We're headed towards a kingdom. We're headed towards promises that are so rich, deep, and beautiful that we really can't comprehend it at times unless the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, gives us that understanding and concept of what we are on a journey towards. The Israelites, we're in the middle of these feast days, starting with Passover, then days on unleavened bread. These feast days that we start in the spring with, as I said, I want, I want to try to be sensitive to the Spirit. I'm really going away from my nose a little bit, trying to let Him speak to me as I speak to you. The feast days, the holy days, the Moad times, call them what you will. They are part of a great plan of salvation for all of mankind. 
what he started in the garden with two individuals, Adam and Eve, he is going to transcend eventually to the nations. Nations are going to receive salvation. Are you aware, if you think about it, he has never set his hand in the past to bring all nations into the fold, spiritual fold, has he? He only had Israel in the old days, didn't he, as a physical nation, didn't he? He dealt with Israel as the one nation, and other nations were affected as they came into contact with Israel. But he's going to bring all nations into the fold. Mankind itself is on a long journey home. As I told Sandra, I think last night, he takes thousands of years to do some things, doesn't he? And what he tore apart, a message Jack gave about two years ago here, that Humpty Dumpty can and will be put back together. What he tore apart in 1 Kings, when he tore that kingdom up, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, he is going to put it back together. Israel itself is on this journey home, the long journey home. And it may have taken thousands of years, but it's going to happen. The power of the promise, Brother Bill Cloud, I will not pleasurize. You gave that beautiful message many years ago, that teaching, the power of the promise. Dear treasured ones, the power of the promises is what sustains us and carries us and motivates us. The power of the promise is powerful. But Job, you know what Job went through. We know what he went through. And you know, what hit Job, he, he was having a hard time figuring out on his journey, his personal journey, like, Father, Yahweh, what is going on in my life? Why is this happening? If I could just talk with you, Father, if I could just reason with you, if you would just show up and tell me why this is happening. Do some of you ask that question at times? Why is this going on, Father? Yeshua, why is this happening in my life? Why am I having to go through this particular test or trial or pain or suffering, be it physical, relational problems, financial problems, whatever it is? Do you sometimes question like Job and say, oh, Father, if I could just have an audience with you, if I could just understand and know what you're doing, this doesn't make sense. It did not make sense to Job. And everyone, i got to confess, I get a, a kind of a humorous chuckle. Every time I get to about verse or chapter 37, chapter 38, <laughs> when the Father shows up, when Yahweh shows up, he more or less says, Job, it's time for you to shut your mouth. I'm going to start talking. Embrace yourself like a man. And he starts about a two or three chapter dialogue, that being the creator, the eternal one of the universe, telling Job some things that Job had no comprehension of. And I love it when you get to about chapter 42. It's like Job puts his hand over his mouth. He says, I had no idea, eternal one, what I was talking about. No idea. But you know the beautiful thing about it when he took Job through all of that? He got more blessings. His blessings were double and tripled. Now, the most beautiful daughters in the land after he lost all his children. The father is good. He's good all of the time. And on our journey home, our long journey home, he is good all the time. Brother Arnold, I, I, I stand back in amazement time and again when we meet corporately together every Shabbat, every Sabbath. I, I stand in amazement how the father weaves all things together. As already has been pointed out here today by some of you, how he has woven together testimonies, songs, music, prayers, whatever, conversations, how he weaves things together. When you make that coming about, how many of us over the last few years have journeyed to Loosedale, Mississippi? We've left behind, like Abraham, the land of our kindred, the land of our roots. No one loves where he came from any more than Terry Beam. I love North Mississippi. That's my roots. That's where I came from. I came out of that soil north of here, okay? Nothing wrong with that per se. Nothing wrong with you, wherever you're from, loving the place you're from, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But he told Abraham, I want you to get up, leave, and go to a place that I will show you, and it's there that I'm going to bless you. Everyone, dear treasure ones, as Brad, your dear memory, Brad, God is smarter than we are. The Elohim God of Israel, Yahweh, is always smarter than we are. He knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing when he brought some of us to Loosedale from wherever we're from. He knows. He knows. I got I to gotta tell a little personal story very quick. I'm sitting in Tupelo, Mississippi, outside the mall in Barnes & Noble Bookstore. If you know anything about Terry Beam, you know he loves bookstores. <laughs> so I'm sitting outside the bookstore in Tupelo, Mississippi, back in early March. I was up there visiting my brothers, and I'm sitting there in my truck. I'd just been in Barnes & Noble, being in the mall area there. And 
I'm having a lot of thoughts go through my head. And I'm feeling something very powerful inside. My wife's not with me. And I'm missing her. She's not with me. I thought of the many times, honey, you and I had been in that mall and that bookstore. I'm sitting in my trunk. My wife's not with me. I'm missing her. You know, we shared so many good times there. That was my home. I attended my church there for decades in Tupelo, Mississippi. Had a great spiritual family there, a great community. But I'm sitting there in my truck, and it's funny how the Father will fix us, how he'll work on us. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, Father, like this is not home anymore. There's, 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 there's just a void there. There's, a, there's feelings you can't sometimes describe fully. But I was feeling like, you know, kind of lonesome and out of place, and I didn't belong there anymore. And I just closed my eyes, and I said a simple prayer. I said, Father, I want to go home. Loosedale. It's my home. I hope some of you who have come here, the Father has moved you here on your journey, on your personal journey, and he personalizes each one of our journeys in a way that suits us, that speaks to us. That sometimes corrects us, but certainly most of all, that blesses us. Abraham got blessed, but most importantly, as I always say, Abraham then turned around and blessed the nations, those around him. And it's all about us blessing each other every week. It's all about us eventually blessing the nations. We speak to nations, but we must carry the right message to the nations. We must carry a message of love and mercy. Oh, yes, anyone that knows me, no. I am a stickler for the Torah teachings. I'm a stickler for the rule of law. That's why it's, it's, it hurts so bad for some of us, like Sunrise and others, what's going on in this nation. Pastor Mark, you spoke to it, I think, last week. The rule of law, we're not a democracy. We're re, we are a republic. There's a, big, uh, there's a big difference. The rule of law, Yahweh is about the rule of law, his Torah, his commandments. They are to be obeyed. They are to be kept. And so, but when we speak to nations, we're going to have to speak with and carry the right message. It's got to be a balanced message. That's why he's having to grow us individually and collectively. He's having to bring something together and knit it together in a way that this time it will not be allowed to fail. It will not be allowed to get corrupted. I've been part of a major worldwide spiritual movement that got corrupted. Never must it happen again. Never. We must be a pure, unified, consecrated, sincere people, motivated only by the Father's will and our beautiful King, Yeshua. But Job did not know what was going on. You can read, I want to read you, if you turn to Lamentations quickly, I'll select a couple, three passages. As I said, I'm trying to be sensitive to the spirit. I've got notes here. But I feel like he's saying, trust me, get up there, stand up there, and be sensitive to my voice, my spirit, as I move in you. Because, see, I don't know, or any speaker that stands up here, we don't always know the right word to speak for the moment, but he does. So I'm trying to be sensitive in a way. Maybe today I haven't been in the past at times like I maybe wanted to or need to be. But in Lamentations, I do believe Jeremiah wrote this. Let me read just a few select passages from Lamentations 3. When we speak about our journey, our long journey home to the full promise of the kingdom, we have hurts, we have pains, we have sufferings, we have tribulations, we have tests and trials. Jeremiah did too. Listen to what he went through. It kind of mirrors what Job went through. Verse 1 of chapter 3. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of Elohim's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day. You know, listen to these words. Read the whole chapter later when you get the chance. I don't have time to read every verse of this chapter. Chapter 3, is a, chapter three of Lamentations. He says, even when I cry out, Verse 8, and plead for help, he rejects my prayer. <laughs> Do you sometimes feel that way, dear treasured ones, the children of the Father, that your prayers are getting no higher and further than the ceiling? Do you feel that way sometimes, maybe like Jeremiah expressed here? Well, let me assure you one thing. You heard that song, you heard the lines in that song, Enjoy the Journey. 
He absolutely, every time, hears your cries. He hears your pleas. He hears your prayers. It may just be, though, because we're finite. He's infinite. He's divine. We're not. He's immortal. Right now, we're mortal. We're fleshly. We don't always understand our feelings, as Dr. Dobson says, lie to us. Please understand that. We only stand on his promises. If you make a mistake of standing on feelings, it's going to take you down the wrong road. We all get assailed and bombarded with our feelings, our emotional feelings, don't we? Of course we do. We're human. He understands that. But do not let feelings ever win the day. Don't let that be the final word. Feelings and emotions are putting us for a reason. They're put there for a reason. But channel them properly. Let him channel them properly through the rock, the Holy Spirit, okay? But his promises, the power of the promise, the power of his promises is what motivates us, carries us, sustains us, encourages us, and gives us boldness and confidence. And you're right, Hannah. No pit of hell can stand against any anointing that he has placed upon any one of you in here. And there are a lot of anointings in here. There are some powerful, powerful giftings in here that are not destined to stay in this room. Don't understand it all yet. I don't understand right now which one of you will do whatever down the road. But this nation eventually, and we're getting close, this nation and the nations are soon going to get a powerful testimony, and we're going to be used in that. Amen. That is a prophetic word. We are going to be used to carry the torch of something so special, so special, that's worth holding on to and believing in. These aren't just words. These aren't my words. These are his words. He's only telling you through my voice, my physical voice, what he is going to do. You talk about the power of the promise, Mr. Cloud, the power of the promises. Oh, what he's got in store. And this is not the message for today. As I said, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Spirit, but I believe I need to say this. There's coming a time, all you leaders in Washington, D.C., the Oval Office, you're going to get a witness, and I think it's coming soon. He's already got the people selected to go to Washington to speak to those leaders and to tell them Yahweh said this. Elijah will be walking into the court of Ahab. And he'll be carrying the word of the eternal one, the one who wins all the battles, the one who wins all the wars. I read quickly. Paul said in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that they were in such terrible straits and tests and trials, you know it well. He says it's like we had the sentence of death on us, didn't he? That's what he said. He was burdened in his long journey home. Paul felt those burdens. He felt the burdens of his flesh. He felt the burdens of his ministry, his calling. But you know what, Hannah, I say, I refer to you again. That anointing that was put, that was put on the great apostle Paul, Satan could not defeat. Power of the promises, Philippians 1, 6 says, He who has started a good work in you, Pastor Mark, you, Tammy, you, Sandra Mahoney. I could call all your names. I don't have time. He who has started that good, good work in each of you, he will finish it. But Roy quoting you, for that to happen too, your word you told me a while back, but you have to surrender to win. You have to surrender to get those blessings, okay? He is a father of infinite love and mercy. Go back to Exodus 34 without reading it. He says, I'm a I'm a loving, faithful, merciful, forgiving father. That's who Yahweh is, Exodus 34. But he's also, yes, we must never forget, right, Brother Mark Morgan? He's also a father, an eternal one of justice, out of judgment. But I'm not here today to speak on that. That time is coming, and that time will come for a message when the father woos a people, when he first woos a nation, when he first in the old days wooed the nation of Israel, they would not respond. Then comes a different cadence of a voice. I think we all recognize and understand that. 
that day is coming. As I said, it's going to hit Washington, D.C. like a firestorm one day, and I think it's coming soon because of what's going on in that city and our government. Yahweh wins 100% of the time. He really does. And that line in that song that we sang, he has conquered the grave in our long journey home. A lot of us may not actually live, only he knows that, to see his actual return in the eastern sky and his foot to set down on the Mount of Olives. Some of us, you don't have to live to see it in the flesh physically. You may be laying in the ground, in the grave. But let me tell you something. That dirt is going to bust right off that ground because he has conquered the grave in our long journey home. The grave does not have the final say. Every funeral eulogy that I've ever spoken over any human being, especially a child of his, and I've done several, you must give hope past that time, past that grave. When we carry that, what's left of that clay body to the ground to put it under, you must give that family and those friends and those people hope beyond that cemetery, beyond that grave. The cemetery is where, it, you could put it this way, the cemetery in one way, yes, it's where journeys go to die. You know, you can learn a lot in a cemetery. It's been said when you go in any cemetery and you see these monuments, you got, you got two, generally speaking, you got two dates, the birth date and the death date, right? What's in between? The dash. That dash is their journey. That dash is their journey. And, you know, for any of us, when you go to what you might call your family cemetery, I know back up home where my parents, grandparents, and many loved ones, neighbors, and friends have been long interned. When I go to that cemetery, I remember the times I ate with those people. I talked with those people in their journey. I listened to their tests and their trials and their sufferings and their pain. And so when I walk through that cemetery, you could say the same thing when you go to your cemetery where maybe some of your friends or family members are buried. They're speaking yet to me from under that dirt, okay? Their lives, their journeys, it means something. And it's not destined, the journey is not destined to end at that cemetery. Oh, my. You talk about those dry bones living? Oh, man. Ezekiel 37, when those dry bones come alive, oh, my. When the spirit enters into them, mm. sunrise lost a dear lady friend. She died yesterday of cancer. She was 69 years old. A lady up in Tennessee, her name was Pat Morgan. And we had known her for about 20 years. And Sister Tammy, you know, we spoke a little bit with you about it yesterday, last night, whatever. And Pat Morgan, you would not find, I told Sandra in a small way, I'm going to honor her name, her memory, her legacy. Her journey speaks for so many that's lived from the time of Adam and Eve. Men and women that the world has never heard of. Their name wasn't in marquee lights. How many human beings have lived, men and women, since the garden even, okay, that their names were never listed, quote, in the marquee lights. They were not an Elijah, like you said, Pastor Mark. They weren't a King David. They, they weren't an Abraham or a Sarah or a Rachel. No. But you know something? They're just as prized in his eyes is the one like Elijah or King David. You know, I laugh and tell my youngest brother. <laughs> I joke my youngest brother at times that he's got all three of his brothers. I, has, he's had to sit under all three of his brothers as pastors over the years, okay? He sat under me for six years or so up in Tupelo when I was pastoring that group. Brother Rudy was under me. I was his pastor. Then he went to Huntsville, Alabama, and he sat under my oldest brother, Rick. As pastor. Then guess what? Now he's got my twin brother he has to sit under his pastor. I says, Rudy, there can't be another man in the United States that's sitting under three brothers as pastors. I said, you've got to be put in the Guinness Book of Records, okay? But I laugh and tell Rudy what I'm driving at is, I says, you know, Rudy, I said, just because you're not up maybe every week behind the lectern and you're not, quote, shepherding a, a body of people or whatever, I says, in the kingdom, I says, we all may go by on little motor scooters. You may go by us in a gleaming pink Cadillac. 
You see, everyone, we're not competing against each other. We're competing against ourselves in essence in a way, okay? Our focus is on us. And when you focus on yourself, what you can give, the blessing that you can be, the Father takes care of all the rest, okay? Now, we're not saved in a thousand years by our works, okay? Law keeping, commandment keeping, Torah keeping. No, we are not. We're saved by rich grace and faithfulness and love for us. Yes, but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You don't hear sometimes much spoken about you are rewarded. Revelation says you are rewarded, Matthew 25. I can name other scriptures. We are, you are, I am. We are rewarded according to what we produce. You will live with, for eternity of what you do in, on this journey. That dash, that dash between those two monuments, their journey has been sealed. Those who are now in the grave, obviously that dash signifies their journey is over. Their fate, their reward system has been sealed. They can't change that, okay? So we also need to be sober-minded and realize that we're competing only with ourselves in essence that what we get out of life, what we put into it, we will get out of eternity only what we put into today and tomorrow while we draw life and breath, while we're in, you know, the flesh, while we're alive, on top of the ground and not under it. We have to be careful. As I said, I feel something in my spirit that I need to address quickly and speak to. We have to be careful, very careful. I say this lovingly, with humility, but utmost um, urgency. We have to be careful in what we call the Torah community, law-keeping command, uh, community, commandment-keeping community, community. Call it what you will. We have to be careful. We get the right balance and perspective on our calling, on our mission, on our message. As I said, he is not going to release his message to the nations, speak to the nations, until he gets us where we need to be, individually and collectively. So in the Torah community, I've been in the Torah community all my life since I was eight years old. Started my personal journey in 1961, June, in Memphis, Tennessee, just on the side of that Mississippi River in the old Ellis Auditorium, eight-year-old kid. And I've heard so many messages preached over my lifetime. I know a lot of you have, too, depending on your background, where you come from. But we have to be careful in this community, in the Torah community. We have to be so careful that he would not look at us and say, you pharisaical sons of hell. You go over land to get one convert, and then you turn him into twice the son of hell that you are. That's what Yeshua said in Matthew 23, everyone. You don't want to be categorized like that. You can't carry that type message to the nations. That kind of instrument can't be and will not be used to carry a certain message, speak to the nations. They will not be used. We will not be used. But I want to tell you something. That's not where he's taking us. That is not our condition right now. I see, we see that what he's doing here goes beyond flesh. It's of the Holy Spirit. As we're nearing Pentecost, Shavuot, celebration, the coming of the Holy Spirit is everything in our lives. I do not have the power. You do not have the power. We do not have the power. We do not have the effectiveness to represent him properly unless that Ruach spirit is in us and not only in us, but moving in us in such a way that people will look at you, they will look at me, they will look at us and say they are truly different. Why are they different? Because Yeshua is in them. The Spirit is in you. 165 times in the New Testament, or Dred Hashah, call it what you will. I didn't, I didn't make this up. I didn't do the study. I read it one time. I never forgot it. 100 supposedly and 165 times in the New Testament, it is rendered Messiah in you or Christ in you. You think about that. Think about that. He is in us, the Holy Spirit. The ancient Israelites, when they made their journey out of Egypt, and they were headed to Mount Sinai to receive the commandments, to receive the Torah. They didn't have the Holy Spirit on their heart. He wanted to put it on their heart. No, that came in the book of Acts. Something very powerful happened at Mount Sinai. Oh, yes, it did. Something so powerful, so moving, so life-changing. He gave his beautiful, beautiful Torah teachings and statutes and laws. Okay? 
But then he gave the spirit for us to be able to legitimately observe, obey, and keep those laws. Don't ever say that you don't have the power or the strength or the passion to keep and observe and to wrap your arms around those beautiful laws like David said in Psalms 119. Oh, how I love thy Torah. Oh, how I love thy law. Let me tell you something. We can be, you can be, I can be forgiven of any sin we commit. Oh, yes, that's the truth. He says, Moses, I forgive them, but they're not going in the promised land. He forgave them. The damage we do to our lives, if you spurn those commandments, if you denigrate them, if you don't obey them, if you don't respect them, you will pay, dear treasure ones, and I will pay a dear price. Okay? We're not saved by those commandments. We're saved by His grace. But we love His commandments because we love Him. We love you, Yeshua. We love you, Father. And we want to keep those commandments most of all because you say, I love you so much, my children, and I gave you these beautiful laws to protect you, to protect you, to bless you, to guide you. They're not arbitrary things written down just to, of a of a God, the eternal one who says, I, I want to see if you'll obey me. No, 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 no. Everything, Pastor Mark, you're so right. It always gets back to love for him and love for each other. All the commandments, every teaching I throw hinges on those two. Remember the sages say everything else is commentary. Please remember, he said, by this shall you know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Some of us have been watching the series The Chosen. I've gotten into it. And, you know, the other night at Sunrise, I was watching one of the segments. <laughs> Peter's always putting his foot in his mouth, for those of you who may be watching this series. Peter's always putting his foot in his mouth, okay? I, I kind of chuckled when Yeshua looked at him and kind of chuckled himself. He says, Peter, he says, everybody knows what you're thinking before you speak. <laughs> I mean, you know, and... Uh, he chose 12 men, 12 men that were completely opposite in some ways of each other. And then he asked them to get alone together under the same camp, around the same campfire. Okay? He brings all of us in here. And make no mistake about it. I think that was today. Each one of you, each one of us today is chosen today as we enter in here. You're chosen. And that's why he will fight for you. He will fight for us. Man, I'll tell you one thing. He's fought for me over the years. Man, has he ever fought for me. That's why I will never quit speaking as long as there's breath in these lungs about the relentless love of Yahweh. I know about punishment for sin. I can preach on that too if I have to. That's not the message for today. Believe me, I can preach till the bark comes off the tree if he asks me to about punishment for sin. And then past the punishment, a loving father pulls his children back to him and gives them a big hug, okay? Love wins the day, everyone. Love wins the day. But we're chosen. And he's putting a body together. A body here even locally that's going to go and have an impact far beyond. Remember now, in the long journey home, his plan of salvation is right on schedule. And he takes the time that he needs with each one of us, individually and then collectively as a group, as a community. And he's going to be using us because he also cares about the nations. Probably the most quoted passage in the Bible, I suppose. What is everyone? John 3, 16, he so loved mankind, so loved them, and so loved humanity that he gave his life for them. Even while they were still in their sins, I read Yeshua says, I died while they were still in their sins. He died for sinners. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Steve, your word weeks ago, I told you, delivered, signed, and sealed. Philippians 1, 6 again. He who has begun a good work in you, ask me, will finish it. Do you believe it, everyone? 
Do you believe when he says, I will never leave you, forsake you? Do you believe that? Do you believe in the power of that promise? Do you believe in the power of the promises? Those promises like that are all through that word. Do you really believe he will never leave you or forsake you? As that song said, do you think the God of this universe, the eternal one, the Elohim God of Israel, Yahweh, has given up on you? Do you think Yeshua, the master, the good shepherd, has given up on you? No, 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 no. It won't be pretty. Our journeys aren't pretty at times, are they? They're not pretty. Oh, my. Speaking with my friend Truman yesterday, we were talking about it. Oh, we make mistakes. We sin. We have doubts. We have insecurities. We have sufferings. We have physical pain. We have emotional pain. We go through all this in life. And sometimes you look up, and as we were talking, as any of us would talk, you say, Father, how? Sometimes you wonder, how are you going to bring all this out for good? You know, everyone, we're children. We're his children, Abba. That's why my, when Brad Scott stood up in 07, Sunrise was attending a seminar that Brad was there in 07. When Brad stood up in front of that congregation that day, and don't we miss Brad? Oh, man. Oh, man. But you know something, Brad? You're signed and sealed until we see you again. But when Brad stood up and he looked at that audience, there was a lot of talk. I'm being very open here and very um, to the point and blunt. There was a lot of talk at that time on how you pronounce his name and all that. And Brad kind of, he just shut that, he shut that commentary down real quick in his wise, loving way. Brad said, you know, folks, he said, I just call him Abba. Abba Father. That's the best thing I can call him. You know, we know he has a name. Yes, yes, we know that. But we're able to call him daddy, spiritual daddy. In our moments of privacy with him, how many times do you say, Abba, Father, Abba, my daddy. When I lost my physical daddy back in 97, I hurt. You know something? He let me know my real Abba was on his throne. Our Abba, Father. We need to get all things, your treasure ones, in perspective in this call, in this movement, in this spiritual revolution. And Pastor Mark, I will say this to you since you're the pastor here and the elders, all of us in this together. We are part of a spiritual movement, a spiritual movement that I say again, you probably have no idea where it's going to go. But prophetically, hold on to your seat. But he has to get you right first. He has to get your heart he has to get your loyalty. He has to get your obedience. He has to get us squared away spiritually in a way then we can be released as a unit, as a community, to affect and to change and to bless the nations. You're right, Arnold. You're right, Hannah. All of, us, all of you that spoke today, and your little baby, yes, probably has an anointing on it. Only he knows what it is in the little baby's journey, his personal journey. Because we are on countdown, and Mark, I know, Pastor Mark, you made a comment again last week about this in your message. I, will, I would not say the words I'm about to say again unless I pretty well knew what I'm talking about, okay? We're on countdown to Yeshua's return without knowing the exact number of years, but we can know the season, Pastor Mark. You're right. He said you can know the season. There are prophecies in here, and there is word in here that you can go to if you know where to go to know the season. And so we're on a countdown, and those graves aren't long in the future from popping open. So this Pat Morgan, the friend of Sunrise that died yesterday, 69 years old, her name was never in marquee lights. How many people knew this lady? But she was such a precious, devoted daughter of the king. Oh, my. Her testimony, her living testimony, the way she lived her life, the way she conducted herself will live on. Her memory lives on. Certainly the hearts of people like Sunrise who knew her and treasured her. And it hurts. Her long journey home is completed. Her dash now is, is completed. But guess what? She's home now. Because he says in the blink of life, whether it's a thousand years or two thousand years, it's like a blink of life. You wake up and there he is. You're facing your king. There's a reason the song I can only imagine 
is the number one selling song of all time, Christian-wise. There's a reason for that. I can only imagine. Will I bow before you, Yeshua? Will I hug you? Will I cry? What will we do? Think about it. Listen to that song again. What will we do? What will you do? I can only imagine. Oh, my. I read in Romans 8, the creation is groaning for us to be revealed as his signs. How much do you think Yeshua is groaning? How, how excited right now do you think Yeshua is about coming soon and getting his bride and starting to make all things new? How many, how many of you realize that Yeshua has strong emotions? The Father has strong emotions, as I always say. Now, they control them. They don't get depressed and have to go to Walmart for Prozac, a prescription or nothing. No. You know, I don't think you're going to have a conversation <laughs> around the throne room. All of a sudden, the 24 hours quit praising, singing all that, and Yeshua looks at the Father and says, you know, you're just not feeling good today. I'm a little down, a little depressed today. I don't think that kind of conversation takes place. <laughs> he is excited. As Romans 8 says, creation is groaning until we are revealed in the way that he wants to reveal us. We're going to look just like him, remember. We're joint heirs not to walk behind him and certainly not to walk in front of him. We're going to walk beside him. Do you realize that, dear treasures? You're going to walk beside him as his bride. And he's going to serve us at the wedding supper. We talk in terms, and I know what we mean by that, that it's about him, not us. In a way, Pastor Mark, yes, it's about him, yes, but it's also he's going to make it about us. He's going to turn around and serve his wife. You know, I enjoy at night, if I'm there with Sandra, you know, in, in the kitchen or something, I enjoy washing the dishes for her. I enjoy Rubbing her feet a little bit, she needs a foot rub. <laughs> it's because I love her, okay? He loves us. He takes great delight, and will take great delight in the future, of serving us, attending to our needs. It goes both ways. We will attend to his needs. He will attend to ours. We're his wife. We're his bride, and we will walk beside him. Can't you just have this mental picture in the kingdom when that time comes, and it is a reality at some point down the road in the future, where you've got this big banquet, wedding banquet, and you see him getting up like he did. We talk about Passover, where he starts washing the disciples' feet. He walks around, starts serving and attending to our needs. Hey, you want this piece of dessert? I'll get it for you. Let's wake up and realize, everyone, what we're looking at. It's about, he's making it about us, too. Now, he's supreme and always will be, yes. And the Father certainly is supreme in all things. And remember, John 6, says, the Father does the choosing for his bride. The Father chooses through Yeshua the bride. The Father has chosen each of you, as I said, to be here today. In the series, The Chosen, that some of us have been watching, when he looks at each one of those on first contact at those disciples, he looks at them and he says, Peter, follow me. James and John, sons of thunder, follow me. By the way, have some of you been sons of thunder in the past? I hold up my hand, I have. You got in my face when I was a teenager, brother Mark Morgan, I think we've talked about this and others. My fist came up. <laughs> my brothers knew not to get on the wrong side of me. My twin brother calls me the banny rooster of the family. Maybe they'll tell you a lot right there. But you know something? The Father, I want to hope and pray, and I know he has. He's done a work in me. He's done a work in each of you. The past that you came from, the journey that you have been on, he's done a work in you. And, you know, we can see it in, we can see it in each other, can't we? Brother Mark Morgan called me. As I said, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Spirit. I've got some notes here, but... I just want to today especially be as sensitive as I can and pray and hope that what I'm saying is touching you, touching your hearts, getting your attention, serving his purpose. Before I make the comment, Brother Mark Morgan, something about you and me that we spoke about the other day. I heard a message given many years ago at Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. A man looked at that audience and he said, and man, when he said that, it got me, boy, it grabbed me, it grabbed me inside, it grabbed my heart, it got, it got my attention, it got my focus. He said, Jess Ernest, Pastor Jess Ernest said, you know, when Christ called you, he said, when Jesus called you, when Yeshua called you, did he get you good? 
Did he get you good? Did he get your attention? Did he get your focus? Did he get your love? Did he get your full loyalty? Tammy, you're right, Sister Tammy. Loyalty is tied in with love, true love. Covenant loyalty. Did he get your covenant loyalty to where he is truly king of every aspect of your life? That old book that Andrew Murray wrote, Absolute Surrender. Have you absolutely, dear treasure ones, each one of you individually and collectively have to answer this. Have you absolutely surrendered to his divine will in all things? Have you put that Isaac on the altar? If you look at your life, are there anything in your life right now that you might not walk up to that altar like Abraham did and put on the altar that you want to hold on to? Think about it. I've had to ask myself that question. I still have to ask myself that question. And things can start crowding back in on us sometimes, things from the past that we have to be careful of and guard our lives, ask him to guard our lives. You understand what I'm saying? But did he get your loyalty? Did he get your devotion? Did he get your obedience? Raw, you're right. You've got to surrender to win until he brings you to that point. If there's something in your life that you're not willing to surrender, he did not get you really good at this point. You've got to correct that under his power, guidance, loving power, faithful power, and guidance. Brother Mark Morgan, I was talking a few days ago. You know, Mark, you'd call me, and you gave me that scripture. We're going to read it. Romans 8, everyone, if you want to turn to it, Romans chapter 8. We know it well, verse 28, especially that all things work together. On this journey that we're on, on this long journey that each one of us are on, ultimately to reach this true fulfillment in the beautiful kingdom of the king, the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom, as the song said, enjoy the journey. He wants us, by the way, to enjoy the journey despite the trials, tests, sufferings, pain, sins, doubts, fears, the whole shebang. He wants us to enjoy the journey. He says that we can enjoy the journey. And make no mistake about it, yes, life can be so hard at times for each of us and all of us. It has been. It is right now for a lot of us in different ways, and it will continue to be. But he guarantees that your joy will be your strength, Nehemiah. The strength of the Lord, the strength of Yahweh, will the, the joy a hymn will be your strength. It will be your power. As we near even Pentecost and Shavuot, the power of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, okay, that makes all the difference in our life. I'm reminded of President Kennedy again when they stuck the mic's mic in his face when he was running for president in the 1960s. The reporter says, President Kennedy, why do you want to be president? Why are you running for that office? He was just honest. He said, because that is where the power is at. Everyone, I want power. Do you want power? You had better want power, but you'd better want the right kind of power. Not fleshly power, not dictatorial power, not abusive power, but the power that only the Holy Spirit can bring about in your life to be an overcomer, to overcome, to become something that you are not right now. That's why the precious coming of the Holy Spirit that he put in us and on our heart is also important. That's why as we march through these days, these feast days, there's more at times from Passover season all the way to Sukkot and trumpets and atonement, Yom Kippur. That, that's why I say again, the very plan of salvation is shredded in these feast days, in these Moad times. And oh, man. Shavuot Pentecost is a special time. We have two weeks to prepare ourselves for it. But in Romans, I want you to read this. Mark and I were talking about this recently, Brother Mark Morgan and I. Verse 31, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against? Who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? I want to bounce forward to the latter part of this. Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, because you are being put to death all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, 
angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of Elohim God that is in Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and Master. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Hannah, I point you out again, as you said, when he puts an anointing on you, nothing can overcome that. When he puts a call on your life, when he chooses you, he says, personalizing this, I am with you all the way. I'm with you during the entire length of that journey. In your long journey home, unless he comes first, and you're one of those few in man, mankind's history, you won't die a normal death. You will not be in the ground. You'll be changed in the blink of an eye. There are those in this room, I will state this boldly and confidently based on the scriptures and what I know, what he's let me know and what he's let others know that's come to me. There are those in this room who will live to see his second coming. Okay? That's a perfectly stated truism. You will see his coming. Now, maybe those of us who need some more green salt right now, we might not be around. That's okay. We'll come out of the graves first. As Tammy, Sister Tammy tells me in Psalms there, there's times I feel like lately I need more green salt poured into me. Some of you may feel the same way. Age does something to you on this journey we're all on. <laughs> That's okay. Abraham and Sarah could not get away with age. They couldn't, they, they couldn't, they couldn't alibi their way out of what they were asked to do because of age, could they? So, you know. Hey, look, so <laughs> you can't get away with the age thing. But nothing on this earth, nothing in the universe can rob you of that calling, can rob you of that anointing that he's put on you. Now, you can give it away. You can barter it away, as Esau did. Esau sold his birthright, although let's clear that up. It really was never Esau's anyway from the womb. It was Jacob's anyway. Esau still bartered away. He thought it was his. He still was willing to flippantly, because he's a profane man. Again, quoting Brad Scott, profane means he didn't value the things of Yahweh. Do you value the things of Yahweh? Are you willing, once he's put that pearl of great price around your neck, it speaks up in the Gospels, are you willing then to take your hand and yank that pearl of great price off your, around your neck? No, no. Never, never remove that pearl that he's put around you. It speaks of great things. But I believe in the power of the promise when he said, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. I believe in what he told King David. My covenant promises will never be removed from your house. And you find in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, King David is so overcome with emotion that he sets down and he inquires of Yahweh and prays before him. He says like, I'm blown away by you choosing me and my house for eternity forever. It's a forever covenant. Just like Abraham, it's a forever covenant. Do you not think that applies to each and all of us? It does apply to all of us. You're chosen. You're specially chosen. You're specially selected. Do not lose sight of that. And then be willing to fight for it because, let's be honest too, the devil will come and he wants to take that from you. We do have an adversary. and He's powerful. And he's cunning. And he does that. And he will continue to do it. He will continue to make U-turns and come back at you. But, you stay in intimacy, those who draw nigh to him, it says the Father will draw nigh to you, and the devil has to flee. Don't ever lose your love. Did he, Christ, Yeshua, get you good when he called you? If he did, you will remain firm, as the song line in that song says, you will stand up and be strong and resilient and bold, and you will carry through and you will make your journey, whether he comes first or he calls you forth out of the grave, out of the, the ground. The long journey home. How excited, everyone, are you about that which is coming? You know, we're on a journey. They were on a journey to Mount Sinai. 
And Mount Sinai was a special place. And great things happened there, as we know. We're on a journey, the long journey home to the mountain. The mountain of Isaiah 2, the, the mountain of Michael 4. For all nations then will be gathered before him and worshiping him, and there will be war no more. Every sword and every war implement will be done away with. And I long for that day where mankind will no longer make war with each other, and they'll take those swords and they'll take those, those war armaments and those tanks, whatever you want to call call any kind of military apparatus, and they will beat them into plowshares. And every man will sit under his own fig tree and vine press, and there will be peace, and that will be the state of things for eternity. That's the mountain, the mountain that we're really, really headed for. And when Jim and Penny Caldwell first made their first trip to Mount Sinai, some of you know this story, Penny says in her book, God on the Mountain, that Jim's knees just buckled there at Mount Sinai. They're in Saudi Arabia, which I believe is the real Mount Sinai. There's too much proof otherwise. They detail this if you know their story. And Penny says she heard the words. She said, I heard the words go into my spirit. Go tell this to my people, Israel. Well, I'm telling you today in this message that we're headed on our long journey home to the real mountain of the Lord, Michael 4, Isaiah 2, where all nations will be blessed and have healing. And I'll tell you what, we'll then become one big happy family. And Yeshua will be on earth administrating the right kind of government. And Miss Pelosi, you won't have no say in it. Adam Schiff, you won't have no say in it. President Biden, you won't have no say in it unless you come under the terms that he asks you to. That's where we're headed, the long journey home, the power of the promise. That's what we live for. That's what I know personally, I get up every day since I was an eight-year-old kid, I've heard this beautiful concept of a kingdom that's coming, and I've never lost sight of it, and I'm thankful he's never let me lose sight of it. It's more powerful in me now than it's ever been. A kingdom is coming for us, for all mankind. What started in the garden is going to be fulfilled, and it's coming soon. We're in those days, everyone. This is not 1960. This is not 1950. This is not 2000. We are ever closer to his literal return. Some of you want to talk to me privately, but I'll give you some of the reasons I say that. And that's why I say confidently and boldly on that reservation, many in this room will see his return. You'll never enter that ground like our dear sister Pat Morgan did yesterday when she died. You will never enter that ground. You will never enter the grave. That's how close we are. As I said, I read also, if you're in the ground, they come out first. They meet him first. Then we join him. Oh, he, no soul, no memory of any human being is ever lost to him. Again, I say, Brother Steve, delivered, signed, sealed. It is sealed what he's going to do. I'll finish up. I'll read something, Ashley, <laughs> of all people. I saw Winston Churchill. You might think, Hmm. When you hear this quote by Winston Churchill, sorry, Winston Churchill, you might think, you know, why Churchill? You know, he said something pretty provocable, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty significantly. He said something. Churchill said, "Let us be." And we're speaking in terms of a journey that we're all on, and the long journey home concept. Churchill said in his lifetime, when he was alive, and he went through a lot. Uh, if you study what happened in World War II there in Britain, you know, that one man saved Western civilization. You want to know quickly why I put him on a certain high pedestal of my respect? That man was used by Yahweh to save Western civilization, okay? And his nanny taught him the scriptures growing up as a kid, his nanny, if you know the story of Winston. And Winston knew at 16 years of age that he one day would be, he would be used to save England. Now, how did Winston know at 16 years of age that he would be used to save England one day. I submit that had to be the Spirit letting him know. Fifty years later, he did. Winston said, as we close out, let us be contented with what has happened to us and thankful for all we have been spared. Let us accept the natural order in which we move. Let us reconcile ourselves to the mysterious rhythm of our destinies, such as they must be in this world of space and time. Let us treasure our joys, but not bewail our sorrows. The glory of light cannot exist without its shadows. 
Life as a whole and good and ill must be accepted together. The journey has been enjoyable and well worth making once. And I add to that in closing. The long journey home. Enjoy and trust the journey's course in each of your lives. The glory of the Lord, redeem.